Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host tonight, Matt Filipovitz, joined by my phenomenal co-host, Mr. Bill DeFilippo. Bill, hello, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, mentioned it on the last pod, but I did the uh, COVID and flu uh, double booster yesterday, and I have just not felt like myself all day. So I'm excited to finally have something that could push me towards being myself, which is uh, a deep, passionate hatred for Iowa football. How are you? Yeah, Bill, I'm glad that uh, very few <laughs> things get the juices flowing, like talking about oh, yeah. the Iowa offense, but I'm glad that well, we get the opportunity to do so today. Well, I don't, I don't even want to say that. Like, it seems to me, and you could correct me if I'm wrong in your interactions with Penn State fans, whatever. <laughs> Obviously, Penn State fans don't like Ohio State, but the, right. but there's this understanding that, like, those guys are guys that we're lining up our best against their best, and we're going to war, and it's going to be a great football game, and it's a great challenge, and, like, they're they're an excellent team. Michigan, mm-hmm. I feel like, is generally viewed the same way. Mm-hmm. Iowa, even before the 2021 game that, um, you know, so that the, you left such a bad taste of Penn State fans' mouth, it always feels to me like there's something a little extra, like, a, less respect, a little nastiness, those sort, a little more nastiness, those sorts of things compared to those games against the, you know, the big boys in the Big Ten East. You know what my theory on this is, Bill? What is it? Neither of these teams want to dislike each other, but the games have played out over the past, especially half decade, that these fan bases and these teams, I think, really despise each other because Uh they've been such phenomenal games. I think that's kind of where it falls. Like, neither team wants to admit that, like, this is kind of a pretty fun budding rivalry. Uh, They play it constantly for some reason. Uh, And I think that might be what I think neither fan base wants to acknowledge the other one as like a game everybody really does care about. Yeah, when in recent history, whenever these two teams have played, like it's been a really intense game. Back in 2016, uh, was the first time that James Franklin and Kirk Ferentz played. You know, that was that was an important game to me because that was the game that kind of hammered home that the 2016 team is like, oh, these guys are good. These yeah. guys are like can compete for a playoff spot. Good, and you go through the years after that. 2017, obviously, that really tense game. Penn State wins in a walk off in Iowa City. 2018, a really gross game at Happy Valley is kind of affectionately known by a lot of Penn State fans as the Mo Bamba game. 2019, uh, Penn State goes to Iowa City, wins 17-12, to another really gross game that Penn State's able to come on top. 2020, you know, that's always uh, our our kind of slogan of the pod, is flush it down, flush down the 2020 season, but Iowa comes into Happy Valley and kicks the hell out of Penn State. And then 2021, obviously, is uh, what's less than affectionately known as the Taquan Roberson game, where Penn State if Penn State could move the ball at all on offense, I don't think there is a single soul that thinks Iowa wins that football game. So and these games in recent years have been really tense, really close, you know, right on the margins. And as a result, like, it feels like there's some real animosity, especially because of the aftermath of la- the last time these two teams played. It feels like there's some real animosity here. Yeah, for sure. And this week, top 25 matchup, the Hawkeyes ranked 24th, Penn State ranked 7th. It is a night game on CBS. It gets the CBS Game of the Week designation. I think Franklin said in his presser, it's the first CBS game in Beaver Stadium since the early 1990s. Kickoff, I believe, is set for 7.30 Eastern. That's 6.30 Central for those of us in the best time zone. And Bill, let's kind of just kick things off by talking about how you feel about this game, both in how it's going to play out kind of sense, but 
Let's start it off, Bill, with how do you feel about this game being the whiteout? It's the second consecutive whiteout now being against a Big Ten West opponent and now the third straight whiteout not being against one of Michigan or Ohio State with Auburn being the 2021 whiteout. Yeah, I mean, when you consider the fact that Penn State's hands, Penn State is kind of handcuffed in picking the whiteout game because Fox has decided that noon is going to be its like big marquee game window. It's going mm-hmm. to be at noon. That's happening. And the whiteout just doesn't have that that's same mystique, that same aura when it's a noon kick, when it's a 3.30 kick, that sort of thing. So then you look at the rest of Penn State's schedule and the home games they had. West Virginia, They, I, I like that they did a diet whiteout for that game for all intents and purposes. Delaware, yep. no. UMass, no. Indiana, no. Rutgers, no. Like, this is just the... This is the game that makes the most sense on the home schedule to get that treatment if Michigan can't. And mm-hmm. again, for reasons outside of Penn State's control, like, I am sure... This isn't reported. This is just like a hunch that I have. I'm sure Penn State would have loved for Michigan to walk in late November or mid-November. So obviously that would have added another uh, bit of concerns. Mid-November, walking into Happy Valley, just kick off a two-game road stand of Penn State and Maryland before they play Ohio State, and for that game to just be an absolute hornet's nest. Instead, can't really do that. Instead, it has to be like... I. I love this. I love that they're giving Iowa this treatment. What about you? I love the September whiteouts. I think the earlier in the season, the better shot you have for not gross weather. We're monitoring the forecast right now. Neither of us are meteorologists. Uh, It's looking like, I don't know, Bill, 50-50 right now. It's going to be either like a Northwestern game of last year, maybe a little bit drier conditions, or it might get out of there just in time. So in a perfect world, this goes off without a hitch, and it's a beautiful low 60s high 50s at kickoff and you can only really get that in September and the Big Ten rarely puts Penn State against Ohio State or Michigan in the month of September yeah I I mean it's it's legitimately one of the most special things in college sports like Mm -hmm. for all the you know it's definitely sounds hokey but this is there are all those ways that college football and the there are a lot of ways that college football and the NFL are similar and are increasingly getting similar. One thing that is unique that the NFL will just never have on college football is environments like this: the coordinated yep. whiteouts, the stripeouts, the checkerboard that you know all these sorts of various things. And no one does it like Penn State. And mm-hmm. I would have felt really good about Penn State's chances of beating Iowa. Regardless, I would have felt really good about Penn State's chances of beating Iowa considering some of the injuries that Iowa is dealing with regardless. But putting it in this kind of environment, I, I think this this has... I don't know if Penn State will run them out of the building, but I think Penn State has the potential to run them out of the building. Yeah, you mentioned those injuries. We'll talk about it more when we talk about the uh, Iowa offense against the Penn State defense, but Luke Lacey, their outstanding tight end, is pretty much confirmed, I believe, now to be out for the season. He will guarantee to miss this game. Uh, Michigan transfer Eric All, who Penn State fans remember as part of that 2021 team that came into Happy Valley and eked out a win over Penn State. Eric All was a big part of that, Uh, as well as Iowa's two starting running backs in Caleb Johnson, who last year set the Iowa freshman record for rushing yards. Really good player. It's a bummer he's going to be out. And then his backup, is it Jay How do you say his first name, Bill? Do you know offhand? Uh, I'm I'm not certain, no. 
yeah, Patterson, he's also going to be out. So it's LaShawn Williams, who I believe lead the team in rushing right now, will be the number one back for them, kind of as he was last week. And Bill, yeah. we'll, we can kind of just jump right in if cool. you're ready. Sound good? Works for me. So the Iowa Hawkeyes, as we mentioned, are 3-0 and coming into this season with wins over Utah State at Iowa State and last weekend with a pretty convincing win over the Western Michigan Broncos. Iowa, this is going to be their second road game of the 2023 season. That Iowa State game, uh, affectionately known as El Asico, was in Ames this past year. So Iowa has traveled once already this year, and this is their first Big Ten game of the year. Penn State, third home game of the year, second Big Ten game of the year. And the story, I think, for Penn State fans isn't going to be how Penn State's defense handles this Iowa offense, which is on a drive to 25 points per game. We'll make those jokes later. But it's going to be how this Penn State offense attacks this Iowa defense. And the Iowa defense is definitely a different beast than it's been in the past. Jack Campbell and Lucas Van Ness, first round picks on the roster last year. They are now off, I believe, both in the NFC North with Campbell with the Lions and Van Ness with the Packers. So a little bit of a new look for them. They're two best players. Number one is Cooper DeGene. Dude, Cooper DeGene is he's awesome. An unbelievable talent, man. That dude can play football at such a high level. He's currently third on the team in tackles with 19 and one pass breakup. Bill, I have in my notes here, he's a field eraser. Like, he is a guy you do not even try to test. Similar to what Illinois did against Kalen King last week for Penn State. Mm -hmm. That's what Cooper DeGene is for the Iowa Hawkeye defense. And Cooper DeGene was a first-team All-Big Ten selection last year. Also back is Joe Evans, who was a second-team All-Big Ten selection last year at defensive end. He currently has nine tackles and one sack. Bill, Iowa... The defense is very talented, as it always is. And let's start off with Penn State's running game, because I think that's okay. the thing that we're waiting to see big plays from. Penn State currently ranks 22nd nationally with 208 yards per game. The Iowa defense is allowing 106 yards per game. They're very stout. They're very well coached up front. What are you going to be looking out for as Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Trey Potts and company try to find some running lanes on Saturday night. I, I'm I'm interested in whether or not there's going to be the opportunity for big chunk plays in the running game or if it's just yep. going to have to be a lot of we're going to take four or five, six yards here, we're going to take four or five, six yards there and it's just going to have to be slowly chipping away uh, at this Iowa defense. One thing that Iowa does better than probably any other defense in the country, Phil Parker, uh, their defense coordinator for all these years has been nothing short of excellent at coaching up this specific thing, which is you keep everything in front of you. And in keeping everything in front of you, you are then able to rally to the ball and make sure two, three guys are getting there to tackle someone. Even if it's one guy, they're just sure tacklers across their defense. So I I don't know. I think we're taught when we talk about Penn State's running game and what has been uh you know, the quote-unquote the issue with it, it's been the inability to get those chunk plays in the running game. Penn State hasn't really been able to consistently rip off 15, 20-plus yard carries on the season. Katron Allen's long is 18 yards per carry, Nick Single, or 18 yards on a carry, Nick Singleton's is 16. Uh, but they're both averaging something pretty decent. Allen's at 5 yards per attempt, Singleton's at 4.3 yards per attempt. And I think Singleton's number it's might be good. a little bit 
I think Singleton's number might be a little bit deflated because he gets a lot of uh, a lot of carries out of the T formation near the goal line, that sort of thing. So yeah, for sure. I don't know, and maybe maybe you disagree with me on this. I don't know if Penn State is going to want if there's a big monsoon that changes everything. That changes how they yep. have to approach this game. But oh, for sure, if it's relatively decent conditions. I don't know if Penn State's going to want to go out there and say, we're not only going to try and run it down their throats, we're going to try and do something that our running game just hasn't been able to do all season. Running between the tackles has been a big point of emphasis for this team. You know, they could have probably run for a million yards against Delaware, but you could tell the coaching staff really wanted the young backs to continue to improve on running between the tackles. Iowa's probably not a team that you're going to find very many yards, you know, inside of, in on the interior of their offensive line. Like, there's just not going to be a lot of room for push. We just saw Johnny Newton play maybe the, one of the best games I've ever seen a defensive tackle play for Illinois against this Penn State front last week. Iowa now has a blueprint on how to essentially bottle up that Penn State running game. I think they're going to stack the box a ton. I think they're going to try to confuse Drew Aller. I think they're going to just do everything they can to make the Penn State offense as one-dimensional as possible. And again, it's the same strategy West Virginia used, and it's the same strategy Illinois used. It, Penn State, of course, is 3-0, and but I think it really, Penn State's strategy to combat that really only worked that well in that West Virginia game because they were able to find those deep shots. They couldn't find them last week, so it's definitely going to be a bit of concern if Penn State cannot get something going in the running game because that's going to force them to become crazy one-dimensional. And I like Penn State's odds still in that environment, but Penn State has to average, I think, somewhere around three and a half yards per carry. And those are probably going to come from bouncing plays outside and beating Iowa defenders to the edge. What do you think? Just, I, I don't even know if I necessarily like that idea I don't okay. like the idea of them bouncing it because I don't like something that gives Iowa a chance to rally quicker and not bouncing I get I guess more calling plays to the outside getting okay. the athletes in sure. space as opposed to yeah I worded that poorly as yeah. opposed to like out physicaling them at the point of attack that you're not going to win that battle against Iowa very often yeah I mean I was going to have their four down linemen they're going to have their two linebackers and I think Penn State really needs to just be happy with whatever they can get I do think going to bouncing it and going to trying to extend plays. That's a bit of a concern for me, just because I think if Penn State tries to get a little bit too eager to break the big one, whether it's Nick Singleton or Kay Trinelli, get a little bit too eager to try and break the big one, that's where you get into a situation where you bounce it next to, you know, there's an Iowa guy right there, loss of three yards, it's setting up second and 13, and then Penn State's passing game is put in a less than advantageous situation. So I think for as much as they like big plays, as much as they want big plays, and maybe they could spring a couple of big plays by just running the ball like normal between the tackles or running, you know, outside zone, whatever they decide they want to do. I think they need to be willing to be really conservative, take what Iowa gives them, and not put themselves in a situation where Iowa can do something that they're especially good at which then puts Penn State in a less than advantageous situation. And we mentioned Cooper DeGene. He's a field eraser, but the Iowa pass defense, as always, is pretty solid. They're allowing 179 passing yards per game, but an interesting development that I'm not really used to seeing is Iowa has maybe the worst pass rush in the Big Ten. They currently have only three, they only have three sacks on the year. And again, 
they played two group of five teams at home. Like those three sacks, that's the lowest number in the Big Ten right now through a quarter of the season. So Drew Aller is going to have maybe a little bit more time than we would have expected against an Iowa defense. And that's a double-edged sword. On one hand, it's great. It's going to let Auer really take his time, be smart with the football. If he has to take off, I feel confident he's going to have the ability in the lanes to do that. But I think Iowa is a very self-aware program, knows their strength might be the secondary, and I think that's going to let them run some pretty exotic coverage. I think they're going to disguise man versus zone really well. They always do. I think they're going to try to confuse Aller in the back seven more than like the Illinois strategy, which is let's throw the kitchen sink at the kid and see if he can handle a guy in his face. I'm sure Iowa's still going to try to do that, but the Hawkeyes' ability to always just come up with opportune interceptions is something that really does scare me in Aller's, you know, fourth career start. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, I, I think the overwhelming likelihood is that Aller or someone on this Penn State offense, Aller's just the most likely to do, it, is going to co- commit a turnover. And Penn State streak could be yep. the only team in the country, uh, or one of two teams in the country and not commit a turnover yet this season is probably going to come to an end. Well, who's the my, other one? Do you know I offhand? It might be Oregon. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's one of two. That's teams. wild. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look this up in a second. But for me, this game is the best barometer, um, whatever you want to say, for how beneficial was last year for Drew Aller. And here's why. You have a pretty good idea of what Iowa's going to want to do. They're going to rush four. Maybe they'll bring a blitz from a linebacker every now and then. But they're going to do that. They're going to play a lot of cover two, cover three, cover four. Their entire thing is we want you to be impatient. It's not going to be, I don't think, like last, too terribly much like last week, where Illinois' plan was, we're going to try and speed him up and get him to make mistakes, miss on throws, that kind of thing. I think last year, the big thing for Drew Aller was to kind of slow his internal clock down, let him learn about how to trust what he's seeing before the snap while plays are developing, that kind of thing. And if he goes out there and just takes what I, kind of takes what Iowa gives him. Iowa's entire Mm -hmm. thing is, you're going to go down the field, go down the field, and it's going to be harder and harder for you to have the amount of space necessary to take what we give you. At a certain point... I will play it. It's like prize defense used to be. Like, they really tense up in the red zone, and they really make you fit into the tight windows down there. Well, their entire thing is that, like, if you have... If they're dropping everyone back eight yards to play... to defend against the pass, there's going to be one to seven yards between that you and the defender. And you're going yep. to get that all the way down the field, but eventually you're going to get to the point where you're on, you know, the 2017 game is a really good example of this, when Penn State just kept stalling out in the red zone. You're going to get down to the five, six, seven yard line, and there's just not going to be a lot of space, or there's going to be better opportunities for Iowa to rally. So mm-hmm. we're going to see from Drew Aller, a quarter, I, I would assume, a quarterback who's going to be able to stand in the pocket. Uh, show off some of the move, moving around in the pocket that he did really well against West Virginia. And yep. he has to trust his eyes. He has to trust his receivers. And he has to understand that the worst thing that he could do in this situation is try to play hero ball. There were there are those uh, there have been two throws this season that really stick out. The one to Keandre Lambert-Smith against West Virginia. I believe the one to Dante Stevens against Illinois, where he got away 
One was with a mistake to uh, the the one to Lambert Smith was a mistake. He didn't put that in the right place. The one to uh, Cephas, I think he just put a little bit too much on it. Steve, he snuck up on Cephas, went through his hands, went through the yeah, kind of ate him up a bit. Yeah, if he does something like that in this game, he is committing. He is throwing an interception. I was going to yeah. punish any and all mistakes he makes. So if we see a guy who used last season as an opportunity to learn and learn to trust his eyes, trust his offense, trust all these sorts of things, I think he's going to have a pretty good game. I don't think I was going to get home a ton. I don't think, I I, I think he's going to be, again, stand in the pocket a decent amount. Mm-hmm. It's, if he decides to get impatient, Matt, that I think he's going to risk running into some issues, issues that Iowa, by design, knows how to punish teams for better than anybody else in the country. So, Bill, give me a guy, and you can't say Drew Aller, but give me a guy on the offense you're going to be keeping an exceptionally close eye on, and you can take that any way you want it, in that you really want to see how he's going to handle his matchup, or he's like an under-the-radar pick for you to have a sneaky good game. Who's that guy for you? Uh, I th- This is kind of cheating, but I'm going to say Trey Wallace, and I'm going to say Trey Wallace that's because... That's a great pick. Assuming he plays. He did not play last week. And he that, was listed as questionable. Yep. And that's my entire thing. He didn't okay. play last week. He's going to be dropped into a game against a really good defense, and he has proven to be Drew Aller's safety blanket this season. I do wonder if part of his struggles uh, last week revolved around the fact that when the going gets tough, he looks to Harrison Wallace and tries to throw the football to him. And he didn't have that opportunity last week. If he plays, he's going to have that opportunity this week. So Wallace is probably the guy I would pick among anyone else on Penn State's offensive roster. I like that pick. I I was torn here. I was torn between, uh, as we know him, the number one overall pick. Uh, people forget. I think people really do not appreciate that Tyler Warren went first overall, um, who currently is tied for the team lead in receiving touchdowns with one coming from a running back, which is just a fun stat. Um, but I'm going to go with Theo Johnson. I think Theo Johnson has been waiting to have his breakout game all season long. A very, very, very talented football player who I think it's very clear teams understand Drew Aller wants to look to as a security blanket and your assistant company have been trying to find different ways to get him involved and some of that is tight end screens some of that is unique sets where he's lined up in different spots he normally would have been but I think this is the game where Theo Johnson goes out there and he gets his first touchdown of the season this feels like the kind of game where Aller is going to have to settle for four to six yard kind of passes and I think that's where Theo Johnson can go out there and really make a nice day for himself. Yeah, I agree. I I I I want to see Mike Yurcich call a generally pretty conservative game. I want to see him call a game where Penn State is taking advantage of the fact that I was going to give them stuff so you go out and take it. And hopefully that causes I you would hope won't necessarily happen. Causes Iowa to sneak up a little bit, sneak up a little bit. We have to sell out a little bit. They've been dinking and dunking all night. We gotta let can't let that happen. They've been marching the football down the field against that. Mm-hmm. And that's when it opens up. And I, I think Johnson's a huge, huge piece of that puzzle. Trey Wallace is too. And then that opens up the opportunity for big play from Keandre Lambert Smith over the top. Big play from Dante Cephas over the top. Maybe even a big play from Theo Johnson or Trey Wallace over the top. Like there's I think for how good Iowa's defense is. It's worth mentioning, pay them the respect that they deserve. The three offense that offenses that they have played this season, Utah State, Iowa State, 
Western Michigan. Utah State is 94th in offensive SP+. Iowa State is 99th in offensive SP+. Western Michigan, uh, I'm trying to find them. My guess is they are rather low in SP+. Give me two seconds. They are 123rd. <laughs> fair guess. 123rd in offensive SP+. Penn State is 21st. If Penn State plays like a top 50 offense in this game, they are going to be considerably the best offense that Penn State, that Iowa has faced this season. And that's part of the reason, Matt, why even though I think, you know, treat Iowa's defense, uh, who, who I think it's the Phil Jackson line. Phil Jackson, when he coached the Chicago Bulls, Los Angeles Lakers, all those teams, always, or no, Greg Popovich, apologies. Greg Popovich, a uh, longtime San Antonio Spurs coach, his line always has been, you treat teams with appropriate fear. And I think you treat Iowa's defense with appropriate fear, but you also mm-hmm. go in understanding in this environment with these skill position players and considering what Iowa has done this year, you are going to be able to throw something at them that they have not seen this year. Yep. Punish them for that. Honorable mention pick for me here, Bill, just really quick. Caden Saunders. Sure. Malik McLean did have some drop problems. He got the start in Trey Wallace's absence. I wonder how that carries over, and I do wonder about the health of Trey Wallace. So that probably moves Keandre Lambert-Smith out of the slot a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. And Liam Clifford and Caden Saunders were both very productive, but Saunders, I think, played a the best game of his career. It was not a crazy stat line, but again, he took that step forward. So Caden Saunders is a guy I'm also going to make sure I keep an eye on throughout the course of that game. Yeah, and I'll, I'll read a quote from James Franklin's press conference today. I don't have the full quote. I have the, uh, uh, I think, truncated version of this from uh, the Onward State Sports account. He's really starting to build the confidence and acquire the strength. On offense, he's shown signs that his role will continue to grow. We're very pleased with Caden. It does seem like Penn State's offensive staff is starting to grow. You know, Caden Saunders is using these little opportunities they have. Yeah, you mentioned Matt, your dad on the last pod, your dad's experience as a basketball coach. Give me three good minutes. I'll give you four next game. Give me four minutes. That sort of thing. It seems like mm-hmm. it seems like Hayden Saunders is a really good example of a guy who he's doing good stuff in the couple of minutes that he gets. You know, turning his uh, punt return role into a bigger role on the offense. He's getting that role on offense and slowly growing on it. And maybe, just maybe, this is an opportunity for him find those pockets of space in Iowa's defense, catch a few balls, move the chains, and again, further build up that confidence as a guy that Drew Auer can trust. Bill, you mentioned that Caden Saunders' role is growing in the offense, but our listeners can grow something of their own, and that is the options of their wardrobe. But that's right, folks. It is time for the Home Field Apparel ad read. Home Field Apparel is our podcast official sponsor. They have been awesome partners to us for the better part of a year now. They make some of the coolest collegiate apparel in the marketplace today. They have crewnecks. They have hoodies, joggers, hats, t-shirts. I'm rocking my script Nittany Lions logo t-shirt right now, one of my favorite shirts in the collection. They have almost 30 items in their Penn State collection, and they don't just have Penn State. They have Iowa. They had Delaware. They have West Virginia. Ohio State and Notre Dame are playing a pretty big game this weekend as well. They have both of those teams. They have all kinds of different schools, and they really do take the time to dig through the archives and find unique logos and unique items to put on these articles of clothing So you can go out there to the bar, to the game, wherever you're going to be going, and look and feel your best. And our listeners can get 15% off their first order with promo code RLR23. Again, that's RLR23 for 15% off your first order. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. And Bill, what has been the funniest thing to talk about this college football season in your mind? 
Um, hmm. Uh, the way that uh, Fox treats Colorado football. Well, that's that's, that's a really <laughs> I, it's a really I, great I, option. So now now I need to I now I now need to be serious. Colorado football is a very good story. I completely understand the fascination with them. But what you want me to say here is Iowa's offense. So I I made the point of this on I think on like our Big Ten check in podcast last week where I have such a I I don't dislike Iowa fans that much. I think Iowa fans are about the same as every other Big Ten fans, and I think Iowa fans are being done a giant disservice by the Ferentz family by allowing Brian Ferentz to be the offensive coordinator of this team. He is not qualified for this role. He's not good at it. It's disrespectful to the fans, disrespectful to the players, disrespectful to a slew of young, talented play callers who could probably succeed in this job. But here we are with Kirk Ferentz having his weird son coach this team and have to hit 25 points a game. They've done that exactly one time this year uh, at home against Western Michigan last weekend where they dropped, I believe, 41 points. So good for Iowa. They're getting the job done. They're on pace for that drive to 325. It's worth mentioning. They were behind schedule through the first two weeks of the year. Against Utah State, uh, they scored 24 points. They scored 17 in the first half and then scored a touchdown after that. Against uh, Iowa State, they ended up very similar, 17 points in the first half, three points after that. So it wasn't, this is what I think is so interesting about Iowa's offense, Matt. Even like, let, let's just for a second, forget all the jokes about drive for 325, about needing to score external points, whatever. Even if that wasn't a thing that people were tracking, this offense is terrible. It they looks are coming, bad. They are coming into this game 81st in offensive SP+. And let, let me pull up the, uh, let me pull up preseason, their preseason numbers, what Bill had, Bill Conway had there. They were 81st in preseason offensive SP+. So they're doing right about what you would expect Iowa's offense to do. And that's be a really bad offense. They are led by Cade McNamara, who, again, does have a win at Penn State under his belt. He was the starting quarterback for that 2021 Michigan team. So far this year, though, 38 for 71 for 417 yards, four touchdowns, and three picks. He's really not a threat to run. He's a pretty mobile guy, but he had an injury coming out of fall camp or in fall camp. I don't, he never missed any time for it, but I think it's fair to say he might not be exactly 100% just yet. And his offensive line really hasn't done him that many favors. He's been sacked six times already with five of them coming against G5 teams and four of them coming last week against Western Michigan. So it's again, it's not your father's Iowa offensive line. There's no Tyler Lindenbaum on this unit, at least not yet. And Bill, obviously it starts with Iowa wanting to run the football. They want to control the clock. They want to limit possessions. Let me make sure I have this number pulled up accurately. Um, Iowa's rushing game ranks 73rd nationally with 151.3 yards per game. The Penn State defense is allowing 96.7 yards per game with their top two backs out with McNamara not really being able to run. How does Iowa go out there and move the football running the ball against the Penn State defense that just allowed 62 rushing yards on the road in the Big Ten? They're going to have to hope that the interior of their offensive line 
is able to push around the interior of Penn State's defensive line, and we get some of the issues that Penn State's offensive line has shown um, over the course, uh, or Penn State's linebacker core has shown, particularly with just not quite knowing, you know, not being great in their gaps. Uh, Gap with, soundness has been a problem. Yeah, that sort of stuff. I don't think, you know, I think Penn State's going to have to be very, uh, you know, Manny Diaz might need on rushing downs to not being nearly as aggressive as he wants to be because I think the only way I was able to win this game is they're able to break a couple big ones probably in the rushing game, move the ball down the field, and get into a position where, you know, they put up seven a couple of times, they get a couple of field goals in there, and next thing you know, this turns into a game similar-ish to 2021. Not, you know, obviously not exactly the same by any stretch of the imagination, but they're able to just get a couple of chunk plays. I think in the past couple of uh, matchups, um, or the past couple of matchups in Iowa City, that's one thing that Iowa's been really good at. They've been good at, you know, we're just going to pop one or two big ones. That's going to be our offense for the game. And then rely mm -hmm. on Tory Taylor, their all-everything punter. Uh, Dude, guy he's... He, awesome. he might he might go in the NFL draft. Like that's how good of a punter he is. Dude, uh, you know what's wild, Bill? That my perception on this like part of the game changed. We'll talk about it briefly. Um, changed after watching Monday Night Football last night, where the Steelers really had no business being in that game, and then their punter Presley Harvin just kept on hitting bombs, uh -huh. and the coverage did pretty well, and they eventually forced the Browns to do enough mistakes to win that game. Like this feels like that's Iowa's ideal way to win a football game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the entire thing with Iowa. They're going if they are able to get one or two opportunities to to do something and they can take advantage of it, that's when the game starts to turn a little bit in their favor. I'm pulling up Penn State's box scores from their last however many years uh against Iowa and looking at whether or not Iowa has big scoring plays in here. Nine in uh the 2021 game. I was able to win. Uh, they were up 20. Penn State was up 20 to 16, 808 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, Iowa kicks field goal and makes it that score. And then the next drive out there, Iowa gets a 44 yard passing touchdown, Spencer Petras, uh, to Nico Regani to put them ahead and put them ahead in a way that they, you know, they were not able to, they didn't relinquish that. You look at. Real quick, the, Regani is back on this team. He is still around. He currently leads the receivers with. Five catches for 48 yards. He's Sounds a multi-year right. starter. He's a good player. 2019, uh, Penn State's up 17-6, to 5-17 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, Iowa with 231 left. They get a 33-yard pass, Nate Stanley to Brandon Smith, that is able to make it 17-12. to 12. That was their one touchdown of the game. You go back to, uh, we'll see if there was anything in the 2018 game. Uh, there was a pick six in there by Iowa. There was a safety in there by Iowa. Uh they were able to get a 10-yard touchdown pass. They they were able to grow, muck it up in a few other ways, but you then go to the 2017 game, uh, which is the game that obviously uh, sucked, but until it was really great at the very end. Iowa is down 15-7 to going into the fourth quarter, 10-02 left, 70-yard Akram Wadley from Nathan Stanley pass goes for a touchdown, 142 left, Akram Wadley 35-yard run for a touchdown to put Iowa up 19-15. So, I... You can only take so much from games that long ago, but I think that's basically what I was going to do. At one point, they're going to hope they can get that 
one chunk play, maybe two chunk plays that are able to give them 14 points, and then they will just figure out the rest of it later. Having said that, Matt, I think it's going to be really hard for them to do that. It's again, especially with their two lead backs out and with Luke Lashley out. Luke Lashley, Lashley, I apologize. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, as somebody with a hard last name to pronounce, I get it. It sucks. Um, Lashley essentially had a quarter of the team's receiving production in both catches and in receiving yards. That's a humongous piece of this offense to just take out of the equation. And again, the running back, LaShawn Williams, is a good player. He also has five catches on the year. Not too shabby. Again, he's 164 yards rushing and no negative plays. Like, there's clearly things to work with. But I don't yeah. think there's enough in that pot to put together to make a nice dish. That's really what it comes back to for me. There's just not enough options for Brian Ferentz to get really anything going. Like, McNamara, I think, is a good player, and I think it's a really great story. I think it really sucks what happened to him at Michigan. I think it was yeah. unfair. It was the right decision for for definitely for Jim Harbaugh, but that's the nature of college football these days. I, I get what happened. But McNamara has already thrown three interceptions on the year against not great competition. There's going to be opportunities to get takeaways and to control the pace of this game. You know, we touched on you know the, the Penn State run defense versus that Iowa run offense because I Izzard's going to be a big player here. Kobe King, I think, is going to be huge. You made the point, Bill, that Tyler Elsden really didn't play any running snaps, mm-hmm. rundown snaps at all against Illinois. And, and he was the one yeah. I think has probably struggled the most with gap soundness. And one thing I think is worth worth mentioning, he, I think, I'm pretty sure part of the, and I don't have the uh, exact snap count numbers that uh, PFF puts out, but I think a big part of the reason that Elsden didn't play a lot of passing down or uh, on a lot of passing plays is because he just didn't play. And then he gets in with the twos at the very end of the game. And by that point, Illinois is just throwing the football. They've given up on running the football by that point. So I, I, I think he's just, we'll see it this week. This week is going to be a really interesting week. He's an interesting player to watch because it's possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know how likely this is, but it's possible that he just might not be, unless he's carrying some sort of injury or there's some sort of personal thing going on. It's possible that he might just be in, what you know dnp cd uh mode uh going forward while games are still in the balance yeah and th- that could very easily be and you know we mentioned iowa's passing attack they're they're really bad it's 121st yeah. nationally with 150.7 passing yards per game penn state's allowing only 170.7 passing yards per game so it's something iowa is not very good at going into something Penn State has defended very, very well. Cooper DeGene's a field eraser. Kalen King was a field eraser last week against Illinois, and it led to Luke Altmyer throwing an interception to three different cornerbacks on that side of the field. I think this is the kind of game where Penn State's safety start to get more involved in those turnovers. I'm really going to be watching Zaki Wheatley really tightly here. Uh-huh. I think McNamara is going to understand that they need to make big plays, and Wheatley just feels like the kind of guy who can play center field there. Watch McNamara's eyes and make a play on the ball. What do you think about the way Iowa's passing attack or or lack thereof is going to impact this game? Well, here's an interesting thing about Cade McNamara. When he was at Michigan, he averaged 7.9 yards per attempt in his in 2021, his one full season as Michigan started. He completed 64.2% of his passes, 77.9 yards per attempt, 15 touchdowns, three interceptions, 11 sacks. This year with Iowa, 
he's gone from 64.2% completion that full year at Michigan to 53.5% this year. He's gone from 7.9 yards per attempt to 5.9 yards per attempt. Touchdowns, 4 to 15, whatever. But interceptions, he's already halfway. He has three mm-hmm. compared to the six that he had in 2021. And sacks, he has six compared to the 11 that he had in 2021. So we're just, I, I don't know how healthy he is. He might still be, you know, he doesn't look like a guy who is firing on all cylinders right now. And, and again, we'll, he missed time yeah. in 2022 on top yeah. of that injury he had in the preseason. Sorry, exactly. Not off. No, for sure. Yeah. And I, I just don't know with how Penn State's defense wants to attack and how Iowa's passing offense is not exactly putting McNamara behind an indomitable offensive line with a bunch of Good guys word. who are going to just catch a whole bunch of footballs, uh, you know, make plays one-on-one, all these sorts of things. I, I think that the possibility is there that Penn State's defense is going to be able to make life really hard on him. I really want to see what happens if Penn State's pass rushers uh, off the edge deny Dennis Sutton Adisa Isaac Chop Robinson I think they've combined for half of a sack on the season which you know I'm not I'm not too terribly worried about that uh, Adisa Isaac 0.5 sacks uh, Chop Robinson zero denies Dennis Sutton zero I want to see those guys what happens if they're able to pin their ears back and get home because if they can mm-hmm. you can speed up an Iowa offense that isn't already great you have the potential to make their lives just total hell again especially in an environment like the one they're going to be able to walk into. They're going to have to run the ball a lot. They're going to have to make sure they're providing themselves a position to where it's a lot of second and fours, third and twos, that kind of thing to be able to stay on schedule. And if Penn State can knock them off of it, their defense, you know, for how good Iowa's defense is, first nationally in SP+, Penn State's is fourth. It's not like Mm -hmm. Penn State's defense are a bunch of schlubs. This is one of the best units in the country going up against an offense that has had trouble consistently moving the ball against Utah State, Iowa State, and Western Michigan, Matt, which, let's bring this back. Utah State on the season, 106th in defensive SP+. Iowa State, 11th in defensive SP+. They're uh, a a good unit over on that side of the ball. But they lost to a MAC team. They did lose to a MAC team. And Western Michigan, looking for him, looking for him, 116th on that side of the ball. This is another example of Iowa hasn't really been that impressive, and now they're going up against the best group that they've played in an environment that is designed to mess you up on this side of the football. So uh, it's really hard for me, unless Penn State just gets sloppy, the penalty issues that we saw last week continue to be an issue, uh, you know, they're not filling gaps in the running game, all these sorts of things. It's hard for me to see a situation where Penn State's defense is go. Maybe they allow a chunk player to mm-hmm. keep them out of the end zone when they do that. You, They should, best way to plan some ice and men off and go awry, they should be all right. So I kind of gave my my guy on the defense I'm watching, an under-the-radar kind of guy in Zaki Wheatley. Bill, who is your under-the-radar guy on the Penn State defense that you think can have a nice little game here? Under the radar guy is interesting uh, because the or guy take like, it the same way you viewed Harrison yeah. Wall that Harrison Wallace question. I don't have exactly how I worded it, but well, go that way with it. Well, the guy that I'm going to be watching the most closely is Abdul Carter because I think, naturally, yep, because I think that Iowa's deep offense going up against a, a an all encompassing game record like him, he didn't have an especially great game against West Virginia. He's played better, I think, as the year has gone on. 
if he's mm-hmm. able to be a game wrecker, if he is able uh, to speed up McNamara, if he is able to bo- help play a big role in bottling up the running game, especially, you know, he gets a one-on-one with their running back and he just blows things up. He's the guy on Penn State's defense that I think is the most well-equipped just in general to completely destroy your entire offensive game plan. So I'm going to be watching him most closely. Okay. All right. And my pick is is Zaki Whitley. I think that guy's going to have a, a nice little game for himself. And Bill, we'll do score predictions in a second, but we'll play our favorite game. Penn State wins this game if? Uh, Penn State wins this game if things just go according to plan. And I know that's, you know, a bit of a cop-out, but I think Penn State is just way better than Iowa. If you took off the Iowa uniforms and put them on Minnesota, if you put them on, you know, insert team here, I don't think we're too worried about they can muck it up. They're going to make something, make this gross, blah, blah, blah. I think if Penn State just goes out there and does what they are supposed to do, just takes care of business, a workmanlike performance, I think they Mm -hmm. should win this football game. Mine is Penn State wins this game if they have two or fewer turnovers. I think they can give it away twice. I feel that confident in this defense being able to limit the Iowa offense, but I think a third one, we're going to have some problems. So that's where I'm going to go on that one. And then, Bill, Iowa wins this game if? Iowa wins this game if they're able to turn it into the exact kind of game they want. If they are able, If they are able to... Uh, you know, not give Drew Aller anywhere to throw the football, and as a result, he starts trying to force it into places. If they're bottling up Penn State's running game, if they're pinning Penn State deep and consistently winning the field position battle, if, uh, you know, it, it on the offense side of the football, this is a little bit more difficult, but if Williams last week wasn't a mirage and he is actually the kind of guy who could put up numbers, if Cade McNamara mm-hmm. is able to settle things down, be the kind of guy who... Um, has been in a, you know, obviously a little bit different. That was a gross nooner, but who has been in a pen, played in front of the fans in Happy Valley before. If, if, and I just listed off like six things. If all those things happen, I think Iowa wins this game. I just have a really hard time seeing all those things happening. I'm going to go with Iowa wins this game if the offense gets the ball in positive territory on like 40% of their drives. I think they can really kill a lot of clock. I think they can really control the pace. I think they can make some nice plays in special teams because Tory Taylor is the best punter maybe in college football. That's going to be a field position battle. It's very important that we keep our eye on. So yeah, Iowa, I'm not really worried they're going to be able to rip off too many big plays. It's just a matter of if they're able to control the clock and play in a short field and give their outstanding place kicker, whose name is escaping me, his opportunities to hit his kicks, I think they can keep the ball away from Penn State just enough to make this game feel ugly. So that's where I'm going there. Yeah, and I'm I'm pulling it up right now, and I'm looking at where Penn State's drives started um, in that 2021 game when, you know, after Sean Clifford went out and things just really went haywire for Penn State. So Sean mm-hmm. Clifford ends up going out. Uh, Penn State has a drive where they score. Iowa scores on the next drive, make it 17-10. Penn State gets the ball in the 25, whatever. From there, 
Penn State's drive started on the three-yard line, which ended with an interception. <laughs> funny, funny enough, that drive starts on the three-yard line, and Taquan Roberson throws it down the field, gets picked off. Iowa has to punt on their next drive. Ridiculous football program. One after that, this is the end of the half. Um, Penn State starts on their 12. They're able to get to the locker room, whatever. Out of the break, Penn State gets the ball in the 25. Uh, gained five yards on that drive, punted away. Stout does his best, whatever. Penn State's one scoring drive after that was when they started on their 32. Great. They score, Iowa scores, Penn State punts, and this is where things really start going downhill. Penn State starts it on its two-yard line. They gain three yards on the drive. They have to punt. Penn State, st- Iowa scores, field goal. Um, Penn State starts on its 25. They end up getting back all the way up to their six because of penalties and whatnot. Iowa scores a touchdown. Penn State starts on its 25, barely gets an Iowa, uh, Iowa side of the field. Iowa punts, Penn State on the eight. Iowa turnover on downs, Penn State starts on its eight. And you just can't let the boa constrictor that is Iowa pinning you deep consistently be a thing that kills you. That is the Mm -hmm. one thing when I look at what potentially concerns me of this game, it's potentially Penn State starting within its own 10-yard line consistently. And eventually it just turns into a boxing match where... Mm -hmm. Body blow, body blow, body blow, leaning on you, body blow, leaning on you. And that just, that adds up by the time you get to the fourth quarter and Penn State just doesn't have the juice anymore. But again, fortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. So, Bill, we can't we can't wait another second. At least I can't. I need a score prediction, Bill. What is the score of the 2023 version of Penn State, Iowa? Uh, I'm thinking something like 27 to 10 Penn State. I mean, I don't okay. think that Penn State is go. Let me let me pull this up real quick. Total is 40, 27 to 10 when we the under hits. 27 to 10 when we mean Penn State 14 and a half point favorites would hit. I just don't know a realistic way for Iowa to keep scoring. To Iowa mm-hmm. be able to score points. And I think going back to what I said earlier about how this is an important game for Drew Aller to see how uh, see how he learned from last year. I think we're going to see a guy who understands that Iowa's game plan is going to be, we want you to make a mistake, and he is going to respond by being a little extra careful. And I think mm-hmm. if he does that, that's going to bode well for Penn State. They're going to be able to get the ball down the field, get the ball in the end zone, 27-10 Penn State. I like it. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit more intense. Uh, and... Not because of Drew Aller, because of the pieces around him. I look at this roster and I see on offense Theo Johnson, Keandre Lambert Smith, Olu Fashanu, Sal Wormley, Caden Wallace, all guys who played in that 2021 game. I look at the defense, I see Hakeem Beeman, Devon Ellis, Adisa Isaac, Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Curtis Jacobs, guys who are on that defense that an Iowa coach acted like pretended to fake injuries, which we know is insane. Yeah. And I see it, James Franklin the, on that. It's wild we got this far without mentioning that. Jesus. Well, that's why I wanted to hold off on it. James Franklin's very petty. He is it a is. petty coach. He has proven to be that. He will run up the score. Not run up the score. He will make a point with an extra touchdown if he has to. I think this game is going to essentially be 31-6. to six. And I think Penn State scores an extra touchdown as a bit of an exclamation point to finish this game off. Penn State 38, Iowa 6. I think it's going to be a very frustrating night 
for Iowa Hawkeye fans on the internet. I think it's going to be a fun whiteout in Happy Valley. Yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty telling that it doesn't seem like there's a lot of optimism among the Iowa football fan universe. Brian uh, Ferentz will do that yeah, to you. Yeah, and like like you mentioned, James Franklin is really on memory of stuff. Everything about the 2021 game was just really ugly. The fact mm-hmm. that, you know, that kind of infamous Kirk Ferentz quote, I smell a rat, or whatever it was, uh, that kind of stuff sticks with you. That kind of stuff doesn't bode well, especially for a guy like Franklin, who we saw in the aftermath of that, where accusing him of rat being rats of this of this of this he then made it a point to list out all the ways that Penn State was not doing anything ridiculous that Penn State was mm-hmm. not doing anything unsportsmanlike anything like that it really bugged him so mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested in how that kind of impacts his decision making and I also wonder how using this game because think about the rep how Penn State's schedule now breaks down after this at Northwestern next week which that's not going to be like that's going to be a gross disgusting game because at Northwestern 11 a.m. just tends to do that that should be a win I'm am for that I'm am for that game and then they have a bye and then they play UMass at home and then they have Ohio State and this is their last test before then so I wouldn't be shocked if we see James Franklin want to go out there, make it some sort of a statement with Ohio State on the horizon on an evening where it's very possible that Ohio State loses a football game and use this as a bit of a, you know, a rocket that they can launch or jetpack to rise up, whatever, over this next month of the season mm-hmm. before they have to come to Columbus they have to play one of the two big bad wolves that are in this division. One of the teams that are standing in the way for all intents and purposes of them and being a college football playoff contender. Bill, I can't think of a better spot to end it on. So we both have Penn State winning. We both have Penn State covering that spread. I have the over, which I believe is at 40. I have that over hitting. Bill, you have the under on this, correct? I have the under, yeah. You have the under on this. So Bill, we are a few days away from the Penn State whiteout. So if you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Actually, Bill, real quick, before I do the outro, anything else you want to talk about as we send the folks into the whiteout weekend? It's a big weekend in college football. Anything else catching your eye? Uh, God, a lot is catching my eye. This is going to be a, a great weekend. Florida State has to go to Clemson. UCLA, Utah is going to be great. Ole Miss, Bama is like a fascinating game. Ohio State, Notre Dame, like we mentioned. Colorado, Oregon. Colorado wins this game and every single bit of I don't think they will I, I I wouldn't be shocked if they come back down to earth a little bit Colorado wins this game and you're going to see a hype train the hype train has already left the station for them it's going to woo like really yeah. take off they win this so you talk a jetpack that's a jetpack yeah game. excellent excellent weekend of college football ahead uh, I hope everyone enjoys it uh, but I hope everyone enjoys it for one reason above all else which is that Penn State uh, runs Iowa out of the building I could not think of a better way to word it myself. So again, if you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe. Leave us a review in whatever you're listening to podcasts on. Uh, If you're on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button and join us down in the comments. We always get a ton of opposing fan interaction on these preview videos. So 
If you're an Iowa fan, jump in. Let us know where you think we're wrong. You know, we love to have these conversations down there on YouTube. Be sure to follow us out there on Twitter over at RLR blog. Yeah, that's the Twitter handle. Uh, we're always tweeting during the game. We have a ton of fun stuff coming up throughout the week. Uh, and we will be very active, I'm sure, with uh, with Bill and I both having the keys to the Twitter throughout what should be a fun college football Saturday. Thank you, as always, to our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Again, that's 15% off your first order with promo code RLR23. They have a ton of great stuff, and they're always adding more. And for my co-host, Bill DeFilippo, I'm Matt Flubovitz. Take care, everyone, and go State.